This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome into One Bills Live. Happy Monday, everybody. Maddie Glab filling in for Chris Brown alongside Steve Tasker from 1 to 3 this afternoon. We've all been up for quite some time because around 6.15, the earth was rumbling and rattling. And a lot of people thought snow plows ran into their apartments or houses. I thought a lightning bolt struck our apartment. And I was looking for a mushroom cloud. I was cloud. ready to go. Yeah, I was looking for a mushroom cloud off in the distance. It sounded like a very distant but distinct explosion, like a TV <laughs> explosion. I was like, oh, my gosh, something went off. I thought a gas truck. A gas explosion, some or, or or a jet crash or something, something big and big boom rumbled and you know every boom shook the house. Everybody, I mean, it's up, man. You you could. I don't I, know if I've <clears throat> been that alive, alert, awake <laughs> around. Wake up around six, sure. Six fifteen. Six fifteen. I I was still snoozing. My alarm yeah. was going to go off at six thirty. Six fifteen rolls around. Usually, I'm a little. Tired on Monday mornings, coming off a weekend, and <laughs> boom, you're awake. I am. I'm not above. We're I'm, not snoozing. I'm at a point in my life, Maddie, where I can be a little bit vulnerable here with our listeners. All right, I go was ahead. Go for ahead. a minute there. I was terrified. <laughs> I thought I you were like, going to say I was out like a light. No, I was terrified. I was like, I was really like, wow, that really because you knew it was something. Mm-hmm. It was not just like. The temperature changing in your attic and the and the boards creaking or something, yeah. right? It was. It was more than that. Yes, and I was looking at like, <laughs> is the world? Ending? Yeah, I was <laughs> seriously looking for the at like a smoke plume or something in the distance, trying to figure it out. And I gave it, you know, I gave it like literally five minutes. So did you get out of bed, look out the oh, window? I was not going. I was done. I, I was done. I'm exhausted right now. I need a nap. <laughs> so I was done. And so I gave it like five minutes and then took the phone out, looked at Twitter and found out, yeah, everybody, it wasn't went, just me. I went straight to Twitter, saw it wasn't just me, thought it was an earthquake, yep. ends up being an earthquake. But I, as I was on Twitter, some people were saying I started to get dressed and like kind of get ready for whatever the situation was. <laughs> I stayed in bed for like, another 20 minutes it really trying seemed to figure like out what was movies. going on. It was like, it was like would, uh, the quiet place or something, right? The, yeah. the meteors come down and the, the monsters come out. Or Armageddon, you know, Zombieland, you know, all this stuff. You thought, what's, you know. Gotta this go. Is this is it, Gotta babe. Gotta go. <laughs> you look at her. <laughs> Gotta pack up my lock things. Lock the doors and keep quiet. Whatever. Yeah. I was, I was like, well, if I'm in a situation like that, you you have your fight or flight. I guess I'm just staying in bed. I, <laughs> I wasn't getting ready to do anything. Yeah, it was. Um, and I, I'll say this. I related this two years ago. We were in a, um, a restaurant having dinner in Southern California out in San Diego with some friends. And a little and a small earthquake rumbled through the restaurant in the, in the area, whatever. And, and you know, the, the, they had the the. Uh, pendant lights coming down, mm-hmm. this, the one hang from the ceiling, and they swung they a little bit. A little. I shook a little bit, and you know, us like you and me are right now. We were like, "Wow, what, what did was that? A, <laughs> did you?" And we looking around like, "Wow, we're you know we're kind of losing our minds a little bit." Like, "Wow, is that the thing?" What? And all the people that were from there were like, they were like, uh, what, "What were you saying?" I'm sorry, what, what I missed that? that. Yeah, they just I went right on. They was like, they didn't even think about <laughs> it. They were just like nothing. And yeah, today. Us Buffalonians are with our conversation we're freaking we're out, freaking out because we this that doesn't happen. I've I've been here for over three and a half decades. First one, 
Yeah, I saw a tweet that said this is going to register on maybe like top five for Buffalo. And the three or four before then were like 1800s, 1920s, 1960s um, were when other ones happened that were a higher magnitude than the 3.8. So, you know, nothing like getting your Monday started with a little bit of earthquake action. Buffalo's had it all this year. You know, the snow, now the earthquake. What's next? Hopefully we have a... Nice and easy rest of the winter. We're An early spring. Early spring, good temps. <laughs> Sunshine. Have every the day. sun out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, the sun is out in Arizona as Super Bowl week is here for the Chiefs and the Eagles. They all touch down in Arizona, and so the events of the Super Bowl begin for both teams, and it's a full week of things for them. I believe media night, opening night, is tonight, so they will be speaking with several different media members. Uh, it's the the sound bites, the videos that you see, really, of people just swarmed around each guy for that hour that they get where – you're not really even talking about the game. You're talking about anything but the game. It seems like you, some crazy questions are thrown their way. You have yeah. some kid reporters in the crowd and all that. So I'll be interested yeah. to see some have of the best been there? questions have you ever and witnessed sound bites it? asked. And, no, I have not been I've there I've been before. on both sides of it, obviously, uh, and it's changed over the years. When we first did it, it was a little like you see, it was just it was football people and it was the players and and there were 10 or 12 podiums, and everybody else was kind of standing around, all the mm-hmm. guys. We're all in our game pants and our jerseys, you know, and stuff, which they might be tonight. I don't know. Now it's a show, and there are still the 10 or 15 podiums, mm-hmm. maybe a few more now. And then, you know, it's just guys standing around. And But it's not, foot, it's not per se football media. It's entertainment media. Yeah. And you have comedians yes, there tabloids. trying to do their stick. Yes, they're getting content for mm-hmm. podcasts and all this other stuff. And it's about everything except the game that's coming up on Sunday. Yep. And that's for guys who have never been there before. The Chiefs and the Eagles have still got guys from their last Super you know, Super Bowl. They've been there recently. They'll have guys that can kind of give the guys a heads up. But you get there, and it's the first inkling you have that the entire week – is about something other than the game you're going to play. And that's, I think it's a real is realization. It's a weird mindset and mentality to, to thinking, touch okay, down yeah. in a different place than you're used to and you're preparing for the entire week for this game. Yeah. And Nobody cares. Your entire schedule is anything but ordinary. Nobody cares about the game. They do not care. <laughs> the, me, they're, talking about, they're talking about, you know, the Pro Bowl and this, you know, this other stuff and, you know, your where you came from, what you're doing, who, you know what you're doing this week. All, there, it's everything except the game. Is it tough to lock in as a player? It's very distracting. And you and the thing too, and you've seen this too. Our guys here in the room in the building, mm-hmm. they go through a routine, right? There's the routine is thrown out the window, yep. and the energy that you usually expend on the on the media obligations that you have, like open locker room, and uh, maybe a Wednesday, you have some of the bigger guys like Josh has to speak and stuff on Wednesdays or whatever. Yeah. It is used up completely by, like, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. But you still got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and yeah, you're still geez. inundated with more media, more mm-hmm. media, more attention, more of this and more of that. It, you just get fed up with it. It's it's a tough, tough week for these guys. And you you got to kind of acclimate yourselves and go in knowing that it's going to be different. 
Well, these two rosters have been put together in very different ways. Um, I saw an NFL article that got released today that kind of details, and it's been a topic of conversation, I would say, over the last week as as people are starting to um, peek behind the curtain of how these teams got built. And, of course, the people who follow those teams know better than us, but people who work in the NFL who are not in the Super Bowl anymore. This is our week to kind of look at these rosters and, and you know, compare and contrast what would what would you like the Bills to have that the Chiefs and the Eagles have? And so this article kind of details how the Eagles kind of have put their roster together and how GMs of yesterday are very different than GMs of today and how it's really a win-now mindset and maybe draft picks aren't as important as they as they have been in the past and it's important to to find people and use your capital in terms of money and salary cap through free agency rather than the draft. We saw the L.A. Rams do it. Um, they won a Super Bowl this year, didn't even make it to the playoffs. Is that worth it? That's a good question. Um, so kind of details how the Eagles traded for some really good talent. And then right. you look at the Chiefs, and, and they have a lot of rookies that are playing meaningful minutes and meaningful snaps on their roster. I think it's five of their eight rookies um, have really contributed to this roster this season. So we'll get into a little bit of that today and also compare the bills to that. I looked at um, where all of the starters on the depth chart, if you go to the team's website, for the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Bills, where they were drafted. So we'll get into that later in the show to kind of compare, okay, first-round picks, you know, fourth and beyond. Can we draw anything from this? Is it similar across the board? Uh, We also had a mock draft watch that went out uh, on Friday. So we'll also look into... Who's being mocked to the Bills at that number 27 spot? It's honestly kind of all over the board because free agency hasn't hit yet. That's when it starts They're, to come together mm-hmm. a little bit. So don't don't spoil it. I, I know right, I know well, you have crazy, I know you have a take. The, I know you have a take. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's fun. And we all get to because it's fun because you know what? We all have a voice, we all have an opinion and People, people are ready to listen. My to your opinion, opinion and your right opinion now. are just as valid as each other. Just like somebody we don't, you know, somebody who doesn't even know mm-hmm. whether the ball's stuffed or blown up, their opinion is just as valid. They, you know, because there's so much we don't know right now about what's going to happen in the draft. Ex- and, and I'll say it again: there's a couple of teams that don't even have a head coach yet. Yes. So, I mean, what are we? You know, it's hard. What are we doing? <laughs> it's You're hard. Like, why are we talking about this today? Because it's fun, man. Because I like it. it's fun, and it's Monday, and it's Monday the week of the Super Bowl, and the Bills unfortunately aren't in it this season. Uh, Pro Bowl happened this weekend. That wrapped up uh, with the flag football game on Sunday. I was talking about on Thursday night how I tuned into all of the skills challenges and really like that. Did not tune in at all on Sunday. I was busy doing other things. Didn't put the game on, but the NFC won uh, with, I think the score is 35 to 33. And that's factoring in the score leading into that game. So NFC goes home with a little bit more money in their pockets compared to the AFC. Tasker, did you watch any of this? No. <laughs> no. But you did. you did watch a... Formal, former Pro Bowl game, right? I, I went back. I, 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 yes, I, it popped up on my timeline. Okay. And it was somebody going, "Hey, remember this? This is look at this game compared to like the game that I called on a radio a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when it was in Orlando, and 
and these things that they're doing now, it's not a game. It's, you know, it's flag football, seven on seven. It's, uh, you know, tic-tac, kick-tac-toe, mm-hmm. you know, the water balloon toss, <laughs> dodgeball, longest drive. You know, all that stuff's going on. And it's not even a football game except, and this is the closest thing, was the seven-on-seven seven flag football. And I went back and somebody put on the 1993 Pro Bowl, which, you know, I was in with a bunch of guys. And it was unbelievable in the 15-minute highlight thing that it was, it's kind of extensive, mm-hmm. there was 25 penalties that weren't penalties then that would be now. Oh, gosh. Like, like bad hits, So push it was downs. like a real game. Yeah. We had, like, got receivers, guys wanted that receivers getting hung out and getting laid out by, by safeties and stuff. It was unbelievable. I was like, what are we, dumb? <laughs> We've got we the were, video. Yeah, there it is. Here's some of it. It was it was idiotic. I look back at it, it's like, what were we doing? <laughs> there you go. And it was, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. I made that tackle there. So I <laughs> just crazy stuff. You know, guys just you know getting laid out and uh, quarterback Steve Young, Dan Marino, Troy Aikman, um, all the you know Hall of Fame guys everywhere, and Marino. <laughs> You just gave a high five if you're watching on MSG. You've got blood rolling down your elbow, right. yeah, Steve. It was, it was, yeah, I do. It was, yeah. So, <laughs> it was rough. So, I was looking at these guys. Marino, like, throws this ball. He gets batted in the air. And after he throws, the ball's getting tipped backwards out of the, you know, it's out of play. <laughs> I think it was Ricky Jackson of the Saints. Just two-hand jacks him in the chest. Boom. And just lays him out. This is, you know, Marino. I'm like, what this are you doing? This is a Pro Bowl. It's the Pro Bowl. These guys are just just waxing each other. We were dumb. We were so stupid. Now so it's a flag football stupid. game. It's Fast forward to 2023. It literally is it's flag a flag football, football, football game. It's literally flag football. <laughs> and, you know. and Why were guys playing so hard back then? Was it for, for 10 the grand. check? For 10 the 10 grand. grand. Winner takes home 10K. Loser takes home 5K. No, no, no. T- loser takes home 10K. 10K. Winner takes home 20. Okay. So it was the 10, 10 grand difference. Okay. And I remember thinking this we really need to win this game because, you know, I brought the whole family and the, you know, you 15 people. The with whole, you. you know, I had the whole fam damnly with me. <laughs> and, you know, I got to break even on the trip. I really, you know. So that's why we're pushing and shoving. I, right. And this was back when most, of, like maybe half those rosters were probably making seven figures. Mm-hmm. And I, I was nowhere near that. But, you know, it was a long weekend in Vegas for most of these yeah, guys. You were having for that fun. money. They were having fun. And I'm telling you what, I was, I didn't remember it being that intense. I really didn't. And I was looking at it going, man, by comparison, it's crazy. Brought you back. Right. The right. memories came I remember flowing back. I got. I had a couple of inj- I got. I got my finger broke. I think my finger got broken in that game, actually, but I'm not sure. Um, oh my god! One of that. One of the other ones. But it was uh, crazy to think about. And then you see this, and and I get it too. The stuff they're doing now, it's kind of, you know, in some ways, and I, I don't want to take this the wrong way. In some ways, it's better because it gets a chance for you, because they have so many cameras. And so much access with the media mm-hmm. that you can get a chance to see these guys interact between themselves, like on the sidelines. That's you know? one thing that I heard people say, you know, not having a helmet on. It's yeah. you see more of the personality in a flag football game. And really, and 
you see more of the personality from guys that are defensive linemen and offensive linemen. So that's what people enjoyed. I was listening to Good Morning Football um, when I was getting ready this morning, and and that's one takeaway that they had was that it was fun to see the personality without helmets on. I agree. And I agree with that. So the game ends. I saw this on Twitter. The – and the NFC is up 35 to 33. So the score is that high because you already have a fixed score going into it based on the skills challenges. Right. So the AFC was up 21 to 15. So the NFC was really going to have to put on a show in the flag football game. They ended up doing so. So I think there's like 41 seconds left on the clock. And Kirk Cousins, I think they're within they're in the red zone and I can't remember the exact rules for flag football, but I think within the ten yard line, you can't you can't run, or maybe it's within the once you get into the right, red zone, you right. you can't run the ball. And so, Kirk Cousins starts to kneel down, and Peyton Manning is saying that's a penalty because that's a rushing attempt. You can't rush. You're you're too close to the goal line, so you cannot have a rushing attempt. So Peyton Manning is yelling, you know, it's a penalty, it's a penalty, it's a penalty. There's still time on the clock. The game is not over. And I guess the ref told Kirk Cousins that he could kneel down. So Peyton was very upset about the way that the game ended. And Justin Jefferson is waving goodbye to the AFC. And Peyton just looks pissed. He looks bitter. Eli Manning gets dumped with water. He's celebrating. He has some offhand comment about how he's, you know, he's the better coach of the two brothers, something something to, to that degree. But Peyton was oh not pleased. Gosh. That, that that's is how hilarious. The game that is hilarious. So, it makes sense, but well, what are you gonna do? You know, I <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Yep. So that's a wrap on the 2023 Pro Bowl games. We had seven guys in the Pro Bowl. Dawson Knox caught a two-point conversion, I saw. Um, There was a clip that I saw on Twitter, too, of Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Diggs guarding each other. Mm -hmm. The ball did not go Stephon Diggs' way. Um, I saw Steph threw a pick. But it was funny to see them jawing at each other. Yeah, Steph threw an interception to his brother. (laughs) So it was – there it is right there. Oh, you my see it. Yeah, he threw it, and it goes the other way. For He threw a pick six to his brother. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. I, I could see that on Twitter. I, you know, I, got, I have three older brothers. I can't imagine a worse scenario. <laughs> Throwing a pick six. And then I didn't. I didn't catch up on the best catch, but Stefan Diggs was voted to to go on to the final round of best catch. It was him and Amon Ross St. Brown. And I guess Stefan Diggs and Trayvon Diggs they kind of Steph must have been like, "Hey, help me out! I want you to help me out for the best catch for the finale here." Right. And I guess it was a disaster. <laughs> it wasn't good at all compared to Amon Ross St. Brown. He had I don't know who he had with him, but his catches were way better than Stephon Diggs. <laughs> so Amon Ross St. Brown ends up winning that. And I guess Steph was pissed with where Trayvon was throwing the ball. So it looks like these two didn't even practice it. Maybe maybe they didn't. You know, they're two professional NFL players. So do they really need to practice um, throwing a ball in the air <laughs> to a point where Steph can catch it? So as Steph is in the air, he jumps off this tiny little trampoline to, like, land into a mat. Mm-hmm. And... 
Trayvon's throwing the ball up, and Steph is, like, in the air, pissed off at his brother for where the ball is being placed. (laughs) 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 So they're just, like, arguing like two (laughs) brothers would. That is great. That is great stuff. Yep, so not good, not good. The one in the pool was way better, Steph. That that was great. Um, But Amon Ross St. Brown ended up winning best catch. But I I enjoyed that facet of the Pro Bowl. Did not watch flag football games. um, Caught up on some of that on Twitter. So, right. You yeah, know, let's see. It's, we'll see what it's like next year. Yeah, this is year one of this. I wonder, yeah, I mean, they're, prob- they're probably going to keep it up and, you know, do something and tweak it and say more of this, less of that. So uh, I heard some players say, you know, we like this format, we like it more. But then Josh Jacobs came out and said that it was stupid, that he didn't like it. Well, so, always, you can't, uh, you're you're not going to please everybody, right? right? You're right. not going to please everybody, but it seemed like overall, from what I heard and saw on Twitter, if you're watching on MSG, you're watching Amon Ross St. Brown jump over the, the, Lions, the Lions mascot, mascot to make a catch. Pretty epic for the best catch, and then you have Snoop Dogg um, yep. being a part of the judging. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. There were some pictures of Snoop and Stefan Diggs next to each other. So those those are cool things. We had some of the stars, Trayvon Diggs' son, Aiden Diggs, who we've seen right. um, kind of all over the place. He was there. Um, the, the Jets kid, Johnny, who does the ice cream thing after they won. It's Johnny, I got some more ice cream, <laughs> if you saw that at all during the season. Anytime the Jets won, he would get ice cream. So they were doing the gritty on the sidelines. So it seemed like it was kind of like the who's who of the sports uh, world You know what was surprised there. me about it? It looked like the entire stadium was packed. Mm. It looked like the entire stadium was packed. It looked like it. I don't know if it was or not. Yeah. I was like, people are actually like, <laughs> it's a flag football game. I think seeing kids like uh, Aiden Diggs on the sideline, I feel like this format. Look at the look at the stands. It is pretty. It's, it's crowded. Completely full wow. all the way around. They're playing on a fifty yard That's field. Crazy. The middle fifty yards of the game of the field is where they're playing. Twenty down to you yeah. know, between the two twenty five yard lines, mm-hmm. and. It's packed. The whole the whole stadium is full. Yeah, for this. That's pretty wild. I was saying, I feel like this format is for kids. You know, yeah, kids I can really it. get involved with this and like it. Not that they because can't with a regular football game, but you're doing cool things like you're doing best catch, you're doing kick tack toe, you're doing water balloons, you're doing dodgeball, and then you're doing flag it, football, which a lot of kids play flag football. Yeah, it certainly so it's, makes it, it might accessible. be kind of like a let's do this to help grow the game. Right, you know? I get it, and it's it because you can't see kids see the pros doing stuff like this. And there and is something with having your helmet off. You get to accessible. see the smiles. You get to see the reactions. Because yeah. your kids are sitting at home going, well, I can do that out of my yard. Let's yeah. go. You know, that totally. kind of thing. And I, I, I'm all about it. I'm all about that stuff. It's great. But it is vastly different than anything we've ever seen the NFL do. Because like a lot of pro sports teams, like sports leagues do, they take themselves sometimes a little too seriously. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> This is not that. It's not serious. This is not it's that. Fun. It's fun. And they, it they have to be serious for so much of the entire year. You know, your 18-week season, it's nice to see some of these guys have fun like this. Yeah, and I, I'll say this. I was uh, 
I remember the my, uh, my mindset when I went. It was always a relief to get out there. It's always a thrill and a you know, and an uh, an honor to be out there. But even you know when you'd been there for a couple of times, like I I went, it was great to see the really good players in mm -hmm. the league and get to know them, and get a chance yeah. to say hello. It was, it was a that was the best part about it yeah. was, you know, seeing some guys getting better acquainted with some guys and and uh, you know just exchanging pleasantries and talking to them about their sport about their position about their team about their season and all of that stuff it's fun so I thought that was the one thing that they got out of this flag football thing was that kind of uh across the team um interaction you know players from different teams being you know on the same team and seeing that how that worked, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. So the article that I was speaking about um, in the beginning of the show, let me get this title here. It's called Making Moves. So if you head to NFL.com, you can see that article. I'm about halfway through it. Uh, so Jeffrey Chidea, who wrote the article, is actually going to come on with us at 2 o'clock. And it goes along with our Twitter topic, our Twitter question today, Um it has to do with rosters, how you build a roster. How would you rather build a roster? What are facets that you like about the Chiefs roster? What do you like about the Eagles roster from how it was built to where it's strongest? Up front, is it offensive weapons, quarterbacks? Like, what do you like about it? So give it. Give us a call at 803-0550 or tweet at us. Uh, we will discuss that here in the coming segments. And Jeffrey Chidea will be able to chime into that conversation with, with his in-depth article about how the Chiefs and, and the Eagles roster kind of came to be. And now they're on the Super Bowl stage. That's what everybody wants to do. They want to be able to make it to the Super Bowl. How do you do that? Is there a right formula for it? Is there is something trending in one direction? Is free agency really the move now? Um, is the draft really not as important as as much anymore? Does it depend year to year with where the draft is heavy in certain in certain position groups and all of that? So we'll we'll tap into all of that at two o'clock. And our question is: Which Super Bowl roster, Chiefs Eagles makeup, would you rather have, and why? Right, and then, and the the most basic differences are are pretty obvious pretty obvious to people who pay close attention. The Chiefs have Pat Mahomes, who signed that five hundred million dollar deal, and they've got a lot of con contributions from rookies from this year's draft class. The Eagles have a quarterback on his rookie deal, and they signed a bunch of free agents, so they spent their money the other end, mm -hmm. you know. And so, and both of them are in the Super Bowl. Both of them were the one seed. Both of them scored up to this point of the season and through the playoffs, they've scored the exact same number of points. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting to look at to see how teams have done it. We've seen and we've heard how the window opens up for teams if they get a quarterback who's really good on his rookie deal. And they can really make hay yeah. during that. You have, you have more money to work with. Right. Now we have seen with Pat Mahomes, uh, Brady, in uh, Tampa Bay uh, with Matt Stafford in L.A., guys with big contracts being able to get it done. Um, it's, it's interesting to think about because certainly the Bills are in a spot where they just sign an, their quarterback to an extension. He's not on his rookie deal mm -hmm. anymore, and they're doing it with some – and they're also doing it with some key free agents that they've signed. 
And there's some, you know, the Chiefs, they they deal away one of their best wide receivers. And now their wide receiver room looks really different compared to how much they were paying Tyreek Hill versus their wide receiver room now. I think um, on Good Morning Football, they were talking about it today. It was like there's $15 million tied up in the Chiefs' current wide receiver room right now compared to what Tyreek Hill is making per year, which would have been more than $15 million, I believe. So different ways to go about it, you know, you hate parting ways with somebody who is the one of the biggest reasons why you are so good. But if it's for the good of the entire roster and you believe there are ways that you can get by and make it without a key piece, a key figure uh, like Tyreek Hill, why not try it? And they right. proved they could do it. They're right. in the Super Bowl. A lot of people had questions going into this season of, are the Chiefs going to be as good as they were without a weapon like Tyreek Hill? They've proved that they absolutely are. Yes. And they did it by drafting, and they also did it by some low-budget free agents, which is what Brandon Bean said the team is going to have to do this offseason. Yeah, it's, at some point, you know, and we sent the Chiefs, got a, a, some real contributions from some rookies. The Bills, not so much from their rookie class. Some, mm -hmm. James Cook, Khalil Shakir, Benford, and Kyir Elam, would be the most prominent rookies that did it. Um, but I would say, you know, other teams, like particularly the Chiefs, got more of a contribution from their rookies um, than, you know, with Pacheco uh, and those guys uh, than, than the Bills did. Mm -hmm. um, they did, you know, defensively they had some rookies on the field at corner. So I'm. it's interesting to think about how these teams fit together. I think we're get, seeing proof that no matter how you build it, you just got – I think you got to have guys – a number of guys, whatever percentage we're looking, I, I couldn't tell you, but a certain number of guys outplaying their money that they're getting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're playing better than the market value would have had them playing. Particularly, you can get that easier when you've got rookies out there who can really contribute athletically and with their skill set. So I see where it comes from in the quarterback room where you say if your quarterback's on his rookie contract, you can really open the window. But it also works for other positions too if you get enough of those guys yep. you know number one wide out who's a rookie like a Justin Jefferson last year mm -hmm. with uh, with Minnesota all this stuff if you can get comp really prominent players outplaying their salary that's when you start to I think your window's really open then yeah this article, Making Moves, also goes into a quote uh, that somebody within the Rams front office had um, where they talk about dealing away, trading away their first-round picks and how because they did that, that allowed them to focus a lot more on the middle of the draft. Uh, the quote explained, you know, you do so much to prepare for the top half of the NFL draft, your first and second, right. your third round pick probably. But by trading away your first round pick, that frees up a lot of time to focus on maybe your second, third, fourth, and fifth rounders to really try and hit on the meat, the meat right. and potatoes of the draft. I thought that was a really interesting um, thing to say and, and an idea to have, not having to worry about a first round. Maybe you are going to get more out of – the middle tier guys if you get that right it's so tough you know you could draft a first rounder but is that first rounder going to develop under your coaching staff are they going to make the impact you need within the time that you you allow them um 
to be on the roster and, and right. to grow into what you want them to grow into. I think it's fascinating. I wish there was something that – and this goes into analytics. I wish there was a way to measure and determine based on where you're drafted, what position you play, and your stats in your first three seasons to basically say if you were a bust or not. And, and, right. and it didn't have to be – it doesn't have to be a bust or not, but maybe on a scale of being a bust or not a bust at all. I think right. that would be really interesting because you always look at these players who are drafted in their first three years as they kind of gear toward a second deal, and you're wondering you – know, now some people are obvious busts and some people are are definitely not busts, but where does it fall on, on, on this scale? scale? Yeah, right. And how could you rank general managers and scouting departments based on where they fall on the scale every single season? Yeah. Are that's, some that's way right. above others? Are, yeah. are a lot just in the middle? So. I don't think so. I, I've heard a lot of – when you look at all these teams and their histories – I know we've got to go to break here, but the, the philosophy these days in the NFL is get as many draft picks as you can because everybody bats about the same. If you can bat like 300, mm-hmm. if you get – three out of ten starters or great pro bowlers, you're, you're knocking it out of the park. Most people can get three contributors, but not great players. But if you can get that many, you're great. But everybody's batting about the same because they're all talking about the same pool of players, and nobody knows how good these guys are going to be. And you spread it out over 32 teams, everybody gets about the same amount of players. So it's really hard to outperform unless you, you know, kind of hit it lucky one year. But the philosophy then means, well – if you bat that 300 like everybody bats, but you've got 20 picks and everybody else has got seven, you're going to get like True. you know you're going to get mm-hmm. six guys instead of three. Mm-hmm. So it's a bigger dip. So get as many draft picks as you can because you can find guys like Matt Milano in the fifth round or Brock Purdy is Mister Irrelevant. You can find these guys that are like, wow, this guy's you know pretty good. Yeah. Like Christian Benford, Jordan Poyer's Jordan Poyer's a seventh round draft pick. So. You can find guys like that out there, but you've got to have a lot of picks to, to make those percentages work. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you could talk about this forever, at least I could. With Well, we're going to talk about it for so another many three factors, months here. So many factors. Yeah, we're going to talk about it for the next three months because the draft is not until the end of April. April 27th is that day. But we're not even to the Super Bowl yet. Maybe we need to slow our roll. So we're going to take a break, cool off here. When we come back, we're going to get into our tweet sheet. Uh, what Super Bowl roster would you rather have? What makeup would you rather have and why? Give us a call here, 803-0550, or tweet at us. We are One Bills Live. We're presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Back here on One Bills Live, a Monday afternoon. Kind of gloomy, kind of not. Kind of earthquakey, kind of <laughs> not. We're all good. We're all good now. We're in the aftershock um, mode of our day. Tom Brady. Today he's posing in boxers on his Twitter account. I don't know if we needed that, but he also announced on Colin Cowherd that he's going to begin his broadcasting career in 2024 with Fox Sports. So what the heck is he going to be doing for the next year? Hanging out, enjoying life, playing football? No, I don't think he's coming back. 
but I'm sure people will wonder. He might not. He might not come back. Or should I say, he might come back. He might, might. He might, he might, might not. not. He might not. Um, it's not off the table because, let's face it, there's some franchises out there. That would love. Exactly. They would love like having him come in. Absolutely love it. And, you know, they've got some franchises who are, you know, still looking for a head coach, looking for a quarterback. Um, he could come back and he could play better. I still think he's in the top half of the league. I um, would agree with that. And in some, and if some of his skill set, he's the best there's ever been and still is. Like his mm -hmm. decision-making, processing, all that, as good as it can get. He's, you know, but he's 45. Yeah. You know? The ability that he offers to just come in and go versus come in and a ramp-up period, I think there are maybe... He could end up coming in a training. Less yeah, than he, 10 guys who could do he, that. Right. He could in come in right like now. the third week of training camp. Be good to and go. And parachute in and be ready by opening yeah. day. And that is so attractive for so many teams who are looking for a quarterback or who have the roster and they just kind of need that guy to just help them move down the field. You know, they just need a plug-and-play type of person. They're not looking for a franchise guy right now. Right. They're just looking for somebody to fill that hole for just, a couple years. Yeah, just for give a us year, a maybe. year. Just give us a year. Listen, we're like we're gonna We're going to draft a quarterback, and you're going right. to teach him for a year, we're and the then we're going to hand it off. For instance, we're the Houston Texans. We're going to draft a guy number one overall, or maybe we're whoever. The Chicago Bears have the number one overall pick, so they trade it to yeah, somebody, they whoever trade it is. It. We're going to – we're going to – we are going to draft a guy, and we don't want him to play. We want you to teach him how to play for a year, and we'll give you a good number to do it. At that point in your career versus your early days, how hard is it to go through an NFL season once you know it so well, once you know it like the back of your hand? Is it still really hard? Yeah. In fact, that's why you quit, not because you can't – it's not your mind that goes, it's your body that gives mm -hmm. out. So you spend, instead you of You spend spending, all your free time in the training room. Yes, yeah. You, yeah. you spend your time, you, you know, when you're a young rookie, the next day, Monday afternoon, you're like going, yeah, it's not so, it wasn't so bad, you know. And then, you know, four or five years in, it's like till Wednesday before you start feeling good. Yeah. And then six, seven years in, it's, it's Thursday or Friday. And then after you're in there for a decade, you can't get ahead of it anymore, right? <laughs> I mean, you just, always you're, you're always like hurt. And also with a guy like Brady, and this may not be true for him. I know it's true for a lot of guys. He has played so well and won so many games for so long that it's the expectation is to win every game. Yeah. And this when, year was a letdown. Very much it was, so. It was weird to watch somebody like him. That's right. Put together the games that and they did. The losses are soul crushing. And because you've won so much, the wins aren't as exhilarating. Yeah. But the losses are soul crushing. Yeah. Because you, you don't, it's. It's you, chipping away at your ego. It, it chips away. It just, it's soul crushing. Yeah. So you just can't, so that wears on you mm -hmm. to the point where you, I just don't want to go through like, it anymore. We can't win. For? We're not winning every week like I'm used to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not doing enough to help us. And I hurt. And it's so now. I get, you want me to get up at 6 a.m. in February today and 
work out to get ready for that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't want to do it. Um, it's a big ask, and, and that's what really gets guys out of the league because anybody can suck it up and play for three hours on a Sunday afternoon. But, man, oh, man, you got to go through a lot to get to that point where mm-hmm. you can actually even just suit up. you got to practice. you got to train. you got to stay fit. you got to stay healthy. you got to rehab from little injuries. you got to rehab from the last big injuries you had. And you got to train and lift around things that are bothering you now. Like you got a bad shoulder. Well, now you can't do these big exercises that cut – cut your workout in half because it works all these muscles you got to do this arm like this and this arm like this and you take you know it takes forever to train around your aches and pains so it really wears on you mentally year after year and it gets worse and worse and worse and never and it's and you know and your heart's never going to get better yeah so that's why you know when that's why father that's why you hang up the cleats father time is undefeated and and he just and because he just wears you out well speaking of quarterbacks Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that there's a lot of teams that would probably want him out there. And he's at the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend, and Amanda Balionis interviews him, and she's like, are there any colors that you're liking right now more than others? <laughs> and it's a great way to ask that question. And he says, well, there's a lot of Raiders fans here, so... It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. He ended up winning the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Josh Allen finishes fourth behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, report that the Raiders are letting quarterback Derek Carr talk to other teams. That'll also be interesting. Devontae Adams is doing things to communicate that he would love to be back with Aaron Rodgers. So this picture is not coming together yet, but the no. picture of what could happen during free agency, man, it could be an interesting free agency. And then Sean Payton is getting introduced as the Broncos head coach today. Some of those coaching vacancies are now getting filled, whether it's defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, head coach, Cowboys named Brian Schottenheimer as their offensive coordinator. So some of these things are starting to come together, while some of them are, are just big question marks with Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. I'm still having a hard time seeing Aaron Rodgers play for a team other than Green Bay, but right? I, I say it all the time. It, it's hard for great football players to end their career with one team and one team only. Um, Peyton Manning couldn't do it. Phillip Rivers couldn't do it. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers may do it. Brett Favre couldn't do it. The, you know, the NFL is looking Joe Montana more and more do like it. the NBA yeah. in terms of guys wanting to go yeah. elsewhere. Joe Montana couldn't do it. You know, Marino, Kelly did it. Elway did it. But there's a ton of, you know, now it's a different age. Now and it's, let me see what I can do without this head coach and without without yeah. this team a little bit. Maybe yeah. not always, but kind of trying to, to prove yourself with another team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Aaron handles it because he, he certainly – could choose to stay in Green Bay, but I don't know that. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Green Bay has been through this before with Brett Favre, mm-hmm. and Aaron was there to watch it with a front row seat. It'll be interesting to see the effect that that had on him That's back a good then. Point. That's that he good remember. Point. Does he want to be that guy? And I don't, maybe he does. You know, maybe it's like, yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to have this circle around me for the next year or two. And be in the middle of it. it. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me, 
Um, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he just sat down and said, I'm going to start as a Packer and end as a Packer. Yeah. Last year he agreed to terms or signed a three-year, $150 million contract extension that began this season with two further option years. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be fun to follow that and know that we don't yeah. have to worry about that here <laughs> with the bills all right coming up at two o'clock we got jeffrey chadia joining us to discuss his article he wrote making moves which details how teams come together nowadays how it's different than it was in the yesteryears of the nfl so stick with us here on one bills live we're presented by Kaleida health on buffalo bills radio Welcome back into One Bills Live. We've got Jeffrey Chidia coming on at 2 o'clock from NFL Network to discuss his article that he wrote about how to build a roster in today's NFL, what the Eagles have done, what the Chiefs have done. So that'll be on in just a few minutes. But we want to dip into our tweet sheet, which Super Bowl roster, Chiefs or Eagles, which makeup would you rather have and why? So we've got a couple responses here. Feel free to call us 803-0550 or tweet at us. Tim says, Eagles, top lines on both sides of the ball gives you a better team success. The Eagles were able to be the best team in the NFC despite Hurts being injured because their defense held up and the O-line could provide the protection needed. What do you think about that, Steve? Yeah, and it always starts up front, and I we've been harping on it. We do it every couple of years. Whenever our offensive line maybe doesn't perform like we want it to, everybody says, "Well, we." It always starts up there, and then we always, all we do, we spend the rest of the month talking about wide receivers and running backs, but and corners, right? So, because um, we you tend to take those guys for mm-hmm. granted, but yeah, if you can dominate both sides of the line of scrimmage, you're going to be a really good football team, despite whatever your quarterback is and not whatever it is but your every quarterback's going to be made to look better your receivers and skill position players are going to be better your corners and safeties are going to be better if you can dominate the line of scrimmage and um so yeah that it does and that's why Philly plowed through the NFC this season particularly given the fact that the NFC has had such poor quarterback play by comparison to the AFC uh, a team built like Philly just plowed through it yeah if you look at the Eagles offensive line defensive line there are two six rounders on the offensive line second rounder a third rounder and a first rounder and then if you look at the Eagles defensive line you've got two first rounders and a third and a fourth rounder. And some of those defensive linemen on the Eagles have been there for a minute. Like Brandon Graham got drafted by the Eagles, I think, in 2010. He's been there right. for a, a while. <laughs> um, and it's cool to have have those guys who, have, who are right. your core group of guys who have been there for that long and who have seen other Super Bowls, you know? They've, They've got three first-rounders. Yeah, they got three first-rounders in their front seven yeah. or front five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hassan Reddick. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, all those guys can really play. Javon Hargrave and Josh Sweat, who's you know kind of a a newer addition, and he's a he's the lowest one in the mm-hmm. fourth round. So they've got a lot of high guys uh, up in that top front five. 
Um, if you look at our defensive line, we just, have three first-rounders yeah. in our defensive line. This is going off of the depth chart on each team's website. So Greg, Ed, Shaq. Shaq was listed as a starter because Von Miller was not a part of the starting lineup. Right. So interesting. I looked up where all the starters were drafted for all three teams, including the Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, Bills. So mm -hmm. that's where we're going off of. But, yeah, I think the lines are so important, obviously. That's what we hear Brandon Bean and we hear Sean McDermott say time and time again when we're in the offseason and we're looking forward to what a new team is going to look like. It's, hey, we need to look at – the trenches we need to look at our play at the line of scrimmage we need to see what the offensive line did well we need to see what the defensive line did well and we need to see what we can fix that's where it always starts with them and you've seen a lot of investment through the draft and free agency with Von Miller put into the defensive line I don't think you've seen that type of quality in the offensive line not saying that there's a huge drop-off in the way that the Bills' offensive line plays, but there hasn't been the first-round picks or the big free agency gets. Um, so uh, maybe the pendulum shifts a little bit towards the offensive line in the offseason since the defensive line has been built up with some yeah, first-rounders. I'll say this. I, I don't think that's exactly the philosophy most NFL teams use. I mean, that's it makes good sense when you say it the way we're talking about mm -hmm. it. But the simple fact of the matter is – when you get into the draft room on that day when you're picking guys, you've got a guy over here that's going to be a really good professional football player, and you can tell it all points to that, or a guy that plays a position that you need that probably is not going to be that good. Um, you got to get into a spot where you can take the better player yeah. no matter where he plays. You can't pick and, and, and choose. That's what free agency is all about, and that's what they'll try to do between now and the draft. Yeah. Maybe they go after the offensive line a little bit more in free agency. Or maybe they go after the defensive line. Who knows? 21 unrestricted free agents. That's a lot of guys. I think there is going to be some movement in free agency for this team. That starts on March 15th. So we are less than – we're just over a month away from free agency beginning for the NFL and the league year really beginning for the NFL. All right, break time for us. When we come back, Jeffrey Chidea from NFL Network is joining us to discuss his article, Making Moves. Don't go anywhere. We're One Bills Live presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. We're back here on One Bills Live. Maddie Glab alongside Steve Tasker. And in this 2 o'clock hour and our final hour of the show, we would like to welcome NFL Network's Jeffrey Chidea onto the show. He joins us via phone at the Super Bowl right now in Arizona. I'm sure he's making his rounds on Radio Row. So, Jeffrey, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I'm sure you're super busy there in Arizona. No problem. Thank you for having me. So we are discussing discussing roster makeups today on our show. Would you rather have the Eagles roster makeup or the Chiefs roster makeup? And we're on NFL.com, and I find your article, and we thought you would be great to have on the show to kind of discuss how each rosters were built and really how the NFL has changed over the last several years in terms of how GMs go about making that roster. So what led you to want to dive really Really deep into a story like this going back to the 70s and 80s of how rosters were built versus 2023 with how the Eagles and the Chiefs got to the Super Bowl with their rosters. 
Well, I think it was you look at the Rams winning last year with an all-in approach. Look what the Eagles have done this year where you're back in the Super Bowl six years after trading away your you know, franchise quarterback, guy you draft second overall. Look at all the moves that are being made in the offseason now on the trade deadline. It just felt as if GMs were getting a lot more aggressive than what I was used to seeing 20 years ago. And so it was nice to have that corroborated by the people I spoke to. And, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I think that it's this Super Bowl is very intriguing because it is a difference in philosophy. Eagles all in, super aggressive, sign a bunch of people, build around a young quarterback. And the Chiefs obviously having a franchise quarterback who I think is going to be there for 15 years plus, and hopefully he can get them back to this game a few more times. It seems to be also the formula has been, and, and it sounds per- perfectly plausible, that if you've got a quarterback on his rookie deal, the rest of the roster gets built up and you can win, and that's when your window opens up. And the problem comes when that guy, when you play so well, and it becomes you got to play the quarterback, you got to pay the quarterback and a lot of other guys. Um, how do you keep that window open past that? Well, Mahomes is a perfect example. They paid him the $500 million contract and they built the team around him and had success when he was in his rookie deal as well. So what's your philosophy and what did GMs talk about? Is there a general plan like that, or do you just take your team, what you got, and swing big for the roster? Well, I think the general consensus I got was that time is uh, super important here, that most of these guys feel like if you're in that job nowadays, you've probably got – two or three years to really get things up and running before your owner starts to get impatient. Whereas you look back, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, where you guys have had people there like John Butler, and you know, Bill Polian, who did great things. They could be in place for like 15, 20 years and know they were going to hire three or four coaches. So the first thing these GMs know is that we have to be very mindful of who we're drafting at quarterback. Quarterbacks are always going to matter. The thing that GMs don't want to do today is try to reach and sell a guy as a franchise quarterback when he's not. So if you can get Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, you know, hats off to you. But if you're trying to turn, you know, somebody who's not bad into a franchise quarterback, that's where you can get in trouble with building a roster. And you look at the way that the the Chiefs were able to get there this season. I think it's really interesting because you have this quarterback, like you called, franchise quarterback, of course, and you're putting all this money into him and you're really building the team around him. But just Patrick Mahomes isn't going to get you to the Super Bowl. You have to have other players around him who help you make it to that goal, who help you see it all the way through. And you may have to part ways with some really important players and people along the way, which they had to do with Tyreek kill so how have you looked at how the Chiefs have made their their roster specifically this year and it working out for them making it all the way to the Super Bowl well they took a big swing in the other direction when they let Tyreek Hill go and they felt like having those draft picks that came from that deal with Miami would be super important what they wanted to do and so that was a, a big step for them saying we're not going to rely on a superstar at that spot anymore we're going to try to get solid players who we know our quarterback can make better so that was the first important step for them was understanding that if you're going to have a quarterback who is that talented, that expensive, he has to make players better for you. And so they did that. Um, they drafted well uh, this year. They've gotten a lot of production from their drafts. Isaiah Pacheco has been a starting running back. You know, in the AFC Championship game, you had four rookie defensive backs playing at one point. They had a rookie defensive end and George Karloftis playing, so they've succeeded there as well. They still have to make big moves here. They have to figure out if they're going to extend Chris Jones. He's going to be 30 here, and he's probably going to want to 
$25 million a year contract. They have to figure out what they do at left tackle with Orlando Brown Jr., who wants to be paid $20 million, $25 million a year at that position. So they've gotten the first part right as far as drafting. The harder part is figuring out who to keep and what to pay them. And certainly Mahomes has given them a huge uh, margin of error on the offensive side of the ball. You don't take Tyreek Hill off the top of the pile and not feel it. And yet the Chiefs, because of Mahomes really being able to spread the football around, and Andy Reid as well, but they seem to have the formula for being able to do more with less. Uh, And I was saying earlier in the show, isn't that really the secret? If you can find guys that outperform their contracts, you're ahead of the game. It is. It is. And look, they've gotten Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a player who had been up and down this year, but he showed up in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Sky Moore was a player who had an issue, you know, muffing punts earlier this year. He had a big punt return in the AFC Championship game. Um, I mentioned those rookie defenders. that They've been able to mix and match in a way. And this goes to general manager Brett Beach as well. He deserves credit for what he's done. But they've identified people who they know can be a part of this culture, who can make plays when they have to. And even Mahomes would tell you that he's taken a step forward in his own growth and realizing that maybe a year or two ago he would call a play and then say, all right, where's Travis at? Where's Tyreek at? I'm going to those guys. And by not having Tyreek and having to use everybody in the offense, it's made him more patient, more willing to play within the system, and made the entire offense better because of it. And then for the Eagles, it's it's very different. The quarterback situation for them is different. They're able to bank on, on paying less for their quarterback right now and build via free agency and, and also still have some pieces on that roster who have been there uh, for quite some time, who were there in 2017. Uh, this was a team a couple years ago who wasn't winning many games. They were winning four games, and, and now they're in the Super Bowl. How How is their roster turnover over the last few years really different than you see what other NFL teams are doing? Well, I think they would tell you that their philosophy has been, look, we, we can get – we have a good quarterback, we have a really good quarterback we believe in, Jalen Hurts, but they want to build within the trenches. And so you see that's where they put a lot of their money and a lot of their draft capital is up front in the front seven. Uh, the front four and all the offensive line. But then they, they were also very you – know, Howie Roseman, their GM, was also very shrewd in the moves he made. Um, you know, the, the, the Wentz trade was, you know, five years ago, trading a franchise quarterback who you drafted second overall would have been heresy. Uh, but he made that move. He ended up getting some extra picks out of it. He turned those picks into opportunities to trade up to draft Devontae Smith to make a deal to pick up A.J. Brown. And those players have been huge for this team. So really, in a lot of ways, I think they're operating with the mindset that's very similar to the to the Rams, which is it's great to have draft picks. It's great to have you know a franchise quarterback if you can get one. But really, until you actually make moves, the names don't really matter. How you got the players doesn't matter as much as getting the right three guys in your room. And I think that's been their mindset. It, it may not be great for them next year, but next year is a long way off. We've been talking here about how this gate week goes and how out of the ordinary it'll be for both these teams. And Both these teams have been here recently, so as Maddie said, both of them have veterans of what this week will be like, starting tonight with media day, media night. Um, but when you break this game down, you really start with the two quarterbacks. Uh, Jalen Hurts on his rookie contract, trying to do something um, very difficult to do uh, as a dual-threat quarterback. And then Mahomes, who's really been the bell cow for the entire league 
for his entire career uh, as a starter. Uh, I think both teams, I mean, you got to start with those two guys if you're going to handicap this game. You do. You do. And really, you're right. It's, it's, it's a contrast of styles there in that the Eagles don't need Jalen Hurts to play great to win this game. I think the, Eagles, the Chiefs do. <laughs> the Chiefs have had multiple games this year where Mahomes had to really lift them on his shoulders and, and get them to the finish line. Uh, and that's a testament to his ability, but it's also the way that they are built to play football. They are asking a lot of him. I think in that last game, he was like 91% of their offense against the Bengals. And so you don't have that same kind of disparity with Jalen Hurts. And so I, I root for both of the guys. I, I live in Kansas City. I, I follow Patrick throughout his career. He's an amazing player. I don't put anything past him, you know, the way he played with that ankle sprain. On the flip side of it, I think Jalen Hurts is, is, is emblematic of where the league is going to have to go with the quarterback position because so many guys in college play the way he plays. And when you can threaten a, a defense with your arm and your legs, it's a huge weapon to have. Jeffrey, one final question for us before we let, us, let you go. This article that you wrote and the way that teams are operating and how they build their roster from year to year, do you think this says anything or is foreshadowing anything about the way that the NFL is headed in the future in terms of making a roster? I think you're going to see more teams doing what Philadelphia is doing. Uh, you know, what the, what the Chiefs have been able to do with Mahomes is great, but they have Mahomes. Uh, they don't have the luxury of, of being able to go out, uh, having to go out there and do what the Rams did or the Eagles have to do. But I think really the window of operating for any team is, is now changed. You know, I used to laugh. People would talk about the, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, and they would say, well, he's not going to be able to play at that, at that level when he's, you know, 10 years down the road. How is he going to be able to function all these hits? Like, Ravens aren't worried about 10 years. They're about five years. <laughs> and if you get past five years, they'll figure it out. And so I think more teams are operating with that mindset that, you have a great athlete, a great guy who can run and use his legs to make plays for you. Let's use him as best as we can to see what happens when the dust settles. Jeffrey, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be with us here on One Bills Live. Enjoy Arizona. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeffrey. All right, that was Jeffrey Chidea of NFL Network. He's a writer and appears on air for them as well. You can check that article out at NFL.com called Making Moves. It's a pretty long one, but it is definitely a good read. Some good insight there as well as to what he thinks – the NFL is going to be, how it's going to evolve over the next several years. And I think he's right. You're not always going to hit on a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen in the draft and ways to compete with teams who do have a Patrick Mahomes and a Josh Allen is by maybe dealing away, trading away some of those high picks that you have for players that you know can come in and win right away. Yeah, and it's because you're playing at such a high level with those guys. I mean, the Bills um, didn't reach their ultimate goal this year, and they're drafting 27th in the mm-hmm. first round. So you're going to have to make do with um, less of a choice than, than you did when you drafted Josh Allen, when you drafted Tremaine Edmonds and, and all those guys. So if you've got to make those picks count, and it's easier to do when you've seen the guy play in the NFL already. Yeah. So a lot of teams, it's less of a gamble. It's just less of a gamble. Not only do you understand that the guy's playing against NFL um, teams, he's also playing in a system that you understand and get, and you can 
compare and contrast some free agents with others because he's doing exactly what we would have him do in our system, and he's doing it really well. Mm-hmm. Let's get that guy. This guy may be able to do it, but we're not really sure because they're using him in a different way than we would. So we don't have to take a chance on that guy, but we can go get this guy. Um, there's plenty of opportunities like that out there, and it's just less of a risk, and there's the floor is raised at the point where you go through free agency at, to a point where it's – it's never going to be that high when you draft kids out of college because there's so many unknowns for them. Yeah, and we've heard Brandon Bean say when he's asked about this topic, and it was a really hot topic for the L.A. Rams following that season, following their Super Bowl season when they said, whatever with the picks, we'll we'll get guys in free agency, we'll trade our first-round picks will trade whatever to go get guys in free agency. They did it, and they won a Super Bowl. This season didn't work out so well for them. They did have injuries as well. Uh, but when Brandon Bean has been asked about that topic, it's been, we want to be good not just one year. We want to be good for multiple years. Um but I think within that conversation, not that I think Brandon Bean is, point, is, is spot on with that. You do want to be good for multiple years. You don't want to be a one-and-done type of team. But I wonder if he has an amount of years in his mind. And I say this to to what Jeffrey said to us about, you know, the lifespan of an NFL player is not going to be 15 years anymore or is even going to, you know, it's it, – I'll say that I don't know. That's a good question. Is it is it is his we want to be good for more than a year. Is that five to seven years in his mind? Can you really think 10 plus years now in the NFL to be good over that time span? I do. Based on the way that Josh Allen plays as a quarterback and based on the way that guys are now retiring earlier and well, more often some of them are retiring earlier and more often some of them are sticking around longer than ever like tom brady mm-hmm. and aaron Rodgers and ben roethlisberger and philip rivers quarterbacks who stand who are guys that can throw it like josh has big arm if if he so desires he can stop running and play a long time and and expand his skill set mm-hmm. into being more of a pocket passer like a Philip Rivers or Ben Roethlisberger or any of the other guys that we've mentioned, uh, Aaron Rodgers and those guys. He still has the ability to move and be slippery in the pocket, and he doesn't have to incorporate that into his game. We saw in the last few games of this season uh, against New England, against Miami, uh, and against Cincinnati, he didn't run very much at all. Uh, and they won two of those games. Uh, and – there were certain times in the season this year as well where he didn't run very much and they were winning games. So, and here's the bottom line though is really this whether he plays like that at or not, the league protects them mm-hmm. like they never have before. So, guys like Jim Kelly and Dan Marino and Boomer Sison back in the 90s in the, in the early 2000s. Those guys were not protected the way these guys are, and they take full advantage of it. You slide, you're not going to take a hit. You get out of bounds, you're not going to get that extra hit where you get pushed and go right into the bench area and take the table out. You know, it's easier to, it's safer to play the position now. And indeed, most of the quarterback injuries we see, including Josh, happen in the pocket. Yep. Because they can slide anywhere they want, and they're never going to take a hit. So that's where most of the problems happen with these guys. So, yeah, I think you can – these guys can 
you can count on 10 years with these guys. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I would disagree with that notion. I think you can count on them. Mm-hmm. Certainly they do take a risk when they run it. And we've seen Josh take some massive hits. But we can all we've also seen him avoid them mm-hmm. if he wants, if he's if he wants to. And the game itself will take that away from him. He'll say, listen, I've had it. I don't want to do that anymore. And he won't have to. Yeah. I also think about it in terms of, like, contracts as well. You know, you we're looking at some of the guys who were drafted under Brandon Bean in his first NFL draft coming up on, on, on time to get a second, second, um, second contract. Are you going to be a part of the team anymore or are you not? So it's kind of like not necessarily changing of the guard, but you're starting to see or you may start to see some fresh bodies in here who don't look like that core group. Sure, you're going to keep, you know, a few guys around that are your locker room guys as long as you can um, because you can afford them and because they're really important to the team. Um, But you wonder also – the, the ten to five to ten year conversation of can you be good? Can you be steady for that long? Can you be contending for Super Bowls that long just because of contracts and how those work nowadays and how sure you may sign a guy to a long term contract, but when he gets to year five, year seven, where are the outs in there? Now you're seeing people want to want to move and want to try somewhere else if it hasn't worked out uh, for the the beginning of their career. So right. it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this, you know, traverses over the course of Josh's career, over the course of Joe Burrow, uh, Mahomes, as they get deeper into these big contracts that yeah. they've signed. Joe um, Joe Burrow's going to sign an, a massive deal this off season. I mean, they're going to sign him to an extension. Lamar the Jackson too Lamar needs Jackson's a contract. A great one. Justin Herbert, uh, Tua Tonga Bailoa is going to come up for a contract yeah. pretty soon. Uh, we've seen Kyler Murray. Uh, Deshaun Watson, all these guys signed massive deals, and not all of them have been well-received. Yeah, so uh, it comes down to and, – and we've we've heard it even on our tweet sheet today where people – well, and listen, if you know, forget the roster buildup. If I've got Mahomes, I'm good. Yeah, but there's only one of him. There's only one of Josh. There's like a handful of these guys that are difference makers. you got to build a roster around those guys too. You got to have somebody there. All of us were counting the Chiefs out if they didn't have their offensive lineman back in there, and they got them. You know, uh, it was Cincinnati who didn't have their offensive line that that lost the game. So you've got to put good guys around the around these great quarterbacks. I know it seems easy, but to get to the Super Bowl and win it, you you got to be hitting like it like Philadelphia seems to be doing right now. They're they're great offensive defensive line. Their secondaries are playing lights out. Their offenses are built around these guys that can really make plays. I mean, they're hitting on all cylinders. You got to do that. And they they put all they put their eggs into that basket this last year with all these free agents. They got a ton of free agents coming up. And they're they're going to be vastly changed next year, a little bit a la the L, the LA Rams this year. So they, you know, that you've got to be playing at that level to get there. And that the way they've built these rosters speaks to their the way they did it. The, you know, it's a kind of a tight window around these quarterbacks that you know have been so great. Yeah, the Eagles were four and eleven in twenty twenty. Now they're heading to the Super Bowl in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. The year twenty twenty two season. Um, so turnover quick, and they made it happen really quick. One thing that I also think about a lot with 
the importance of a quarterback and the importance of developing a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback in his first three years and thinking about, you know, your your top three items that you have to have and thinking about where would I rank things? Would you rather have in your first three years the same offensive coordinator or would you rather have really good weapons to throw to? What is more important in a quarterback in his first three seasons in, in trying to get him on the trajectory that you need him on. I think you got to have good on. coaching. It matters. Right? It that's that's kind of where I go. But it if matters. you have a, if you have a Stefan Diggs and you have um, somebody else, a great wide receiver too on the other side, maybe it's a, a Gabe Davis. Um, what's more important? I think you could also you could see both sides, and I sure sure people would would go both ways with that argument. Look at the Jets and look at the Bears. Mm-hmm. Two young quarterbacks. Nobody around. Well, yeah. actually, the Jets have pretty good players around him. The 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 Bears do, do not. not. And somebody like I always think about I with this conversation, and maybe it's not good anymore because of the the way this player's career has unfolded. But Baker Mayfield in his first three years in the NFL, no, none none of no the continuity. same. No continuity. No. Right. N- coaching turnover offensive coordinator turnover and I look to Josh and his career that he's been able to have and there was continuity there that's got to be so important and and one of the reasons was because well it's a little chicken of the egg Josh was being productive and was getting better all the time yeah I remember back in Josh's rookie year we all saw it you know Bill's fans were all about it yeah there were all the doubters out there all the haters that Bill's fans love to hate back but they just said Josh Allen will never be any good. He's never going to be any good at a quarterback, and yada, yada, yada. And then Bills fans watched him week by week get better, and you could see tangible differences from week to week about how he was playing better and better. Just vast improvement. And he did have a long way to go, but he covered some ground in his first year that was really something. And that has to do with Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, you know, you know, uh, Ken Dorsey, all of those guys, and the stability that was around him and the same message that he got. And his progress allowed him to keep those coaches because they were having just enough success to hang in there with his coaching staff mm-hmm. and say, hey, we're making some progress, we're doing good, we're winning game. And in his second year, after a 6-10 and 10 start, then they go to the playoffs, and now we're off, you're off and running. They've had enough success. They're going to keep it on. And, and, he, and then the next year they were – they were the toast of the NFL. It was great. Got to the AFC Championship game. So that, you know, it's a little bit of the chicken of the egg. Great player, certainly. But the coaching and stability gave him a chance to improve to a point where they started winning games, and he then he could kind of own a little bit more of it himself. Yeah. It's – coaching really makes a difference. Take yeah. it from an old – coaching makes a difference. It really does. So as good as Josh is – and as bad as we perceive a guy like Baker Mayfield to have been with Cleveland. Could it have been different if he it, had that continuity in the first have. three years? It might have he in was a big way. killer in college football. So good. Yeah. And you, you always wonder. I always wonder about things like that. Jalen Hurts is, is a good conversation, too. He gets drafted in, in, in 2020, comes into the NFL in 2020, a second-round pick, and Nick Sirianni head coach for the Eagles in 2021. So you see – you wonder where, where that relationship is going to go. He's in the early days of, of his career as a quarterback, Nick Sirianni, as, as a head coach. Um, so it's it's always a full picture of, sure, 
Drafting matters. Sure, free agency matters, but you also have to have the right guys above you to be able to coach you and develop you, especially with your draft picks, guys who are very young coming into the NFL who haven't who haven't played in a professional league before and need that coaching, need a little bit of hand-holding in that first year. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into our mock draft watch. Steve is not happy with the uh. guy who has been mocked to the Buffalo Bills Four times out of the 14 mock drafts that we've tracked. There's going to be 100 soon enough. We're at 14 right now. So (laughs) hear more about this on the other side of the break. We're One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. final hour of our show here today and we're gonna talk about mock drafts because it's never gotta, too early to talk about mock f- drafts we're gonna have theme song for mock draft this is gonna be the, uh, it's uh, the season uh, that's right something mock other than draft season <laughs> i'll be tracking them until we are on the clock basically <laughs> I've only tracked 14 so far, but I remember the last one we usually do, and I usually talk about here on One Bills Live before the draft. I'm in the 100s by then, so I have a nice Excel spreadsheet, get to nerd out. This is one of my favorite topics all year. I love talking about the draft. I love looking at guys. I love dreaming about where the Buffalo Bills could go with that number 27th pick. So if you guys head to our website, buffalobills.com, on Friday morning, we we released our first mock draft watch so tracked 14 so far and of those 14 you might ask maddie Maddie, where are the buffalo bills gonna go who do they have buffalo bills the most that's right no it's not a wide receiver no No, it's not it's not an offensive it's so dumb it is a running back do you think the bills should go running back at number 27 well Four times, four out of the 14, say the Bills are going to draft a running back. Three out of the 14, say defensive back or corner. Two, wide receiver. Two, interior offensive linemen. And then you got a tackle, you got a linebacker, and you got a defensive end. So, what do you think about those statistics, Tasker? That's dumb. Are you uh, saying they're not gonna no? Take it, they're not going to take Bijan Robinson in the first round. That's the guy. Uh, that's the guy they're talking about. The big Texas running back. Um, yeah, it's it, he's he's as good as it gets in this in this draft. No question about it. Um, four took and four. All four were running back. Were Bijan Robinson too? Mm-hmm. The four that were draft the the four mock drafts that we have that took running backs. They were all the same guy. Yep. So he's really good. I've read that he could be going earlier than 27 because he's so good, and once he gets to showcase that in pro days and in the combine, teams may have him go up on their draft board. Don't necessarily think the Bills will need a running back, but you know, if you go by the game of best available, and we're going to choose best available, if he's best available, maybe they go there. Maybe. He had 18, so, you know, You think about a running back and what running back would work on this roster, and I look to a guy like James Cook, somebody who can be a running back and somebody who can also pose as a wide receiver and being involved in the passing game end of things, screen passes, line up as a wide receiver, whatever, you name it, somebody who is going to be versatile to this offense. We have somebody on that roster already. His name is James Cook. So 
Bijan Robinson's stats. 18 rushing touchdowns last season, 11 rushing touchdowns before both those seasons goes over 1,000 rushing yards, a couple hundred receiving yards as well, 314 to be exact last season, receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. If you go to the Draft Network and you read up on this guy, the top reasons to buy in his athleticism, explosiveness, elusiveness, speed, prototype build, ability to positively to positively affect the passing game receiving and blocking so he can do both those things top reasons for concern running with power injury concern so this guy is a junior 226 feet big guy big running back you you said it there yeah that's what they it's the kind of guy he's built like the guy they wanted zach moss to be um, and never worked out, and wasn't. And Zach Moss had crazy stats at Utah. That's right. So <laughs> we'll see uh, about that. I I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be more likely uh, somebody like the interior offensive lineman Cody Mock from North Dakota State. That's your early favorite. I think it's my early favorite. Yes, okay. or it could be um, the safety from Alabama, Dion Brian Branch. Brian Branch. Yeah, he plays safety at Alabama. He's uh could play safety and slot corner. Um and you know, with what's going on with Jordan Poirier, they may need to fill that with a guy who's got ball skills and some size. Um we'll see. So huh. Brian Branch was mocked to the Bills twice. That's the second favorite next to Bijan Robinson. And if you look at his statistics, he's also a junior. Uh had Two interceptions this past season. Has only had four interceptions in his career. <clears throat> Has had 27 passes defensed over his three-year career. Four sacks and 19 and a half TFLs. Yeah. And if you look at his draft profile on the Draft Network, reasons to buy in. Versatile defender, high-level run defender, high football IQ. Top reasons for concern ball production, and man coverage. He's 6 feet, 193, comes yeah. out of Alabama. So he can, you know, he can uh, – it, it, he doesn't exactly fit the scheme because he's more of a – he's not really a box or you know, sl- slot guy. Mm-hmm. He can play box and slot guy, but he's m- not really a free safety kind of guy, a guy who drops back into deep coverage. And that, that hence his ball skills weren't put to any use if he does indeed have them. That's why you didn't get a chance to see that because he was, he was playing the slot corner supporting the run or he's playing in the box as a safety yep. supporting the run. So it's uh, – yeah, it's an unknown a little bit for him. But he is regarded as a really, really smart football player and makes a lot of plays. Um on the physical side of the game. But those, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I, it's going to be a guy like Cody Mock, the interior offensive lineman, or a guy like Deion Branch, the defensive back. Um, there's also um, in one of the the uh, mock drafts I looked at, out of they also got the Bills taking Deion Banks, who's a cornerback out of Maryland in the second round. After mm-hmm. they take Cody Mock at number one and number 27 overall, at 59 overall, the Bills take Deontay Banks. A corner out of Maryland. So I, I don't know about that either. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It is. Other names that you'll see, the, there are two wide receivers in this crop of mock draft 
watches, the mock drafts that we tracked in our mock draft watch. Jordan Addison out of USC. Parker Washington out of Penn State. Another cornerback, Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Um, you're seeing if you're watching on MSG, you're looking at our wide receiver prospects list. Uh, 46, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. You guys know my Tennessee connection. This kid, whoo, he's a great wide receiver. Uh, toward the end of the season when Tennessee started to win a lot of games when they had their quarterback with them, their quarterback got injured. Um, at the end of the season and their playoff hopes kind of went down the drain because they didn't look like they were the same team, but Jalen Hyatt went off. I think he had a game with four touchdowns, um, but he posted some really good stats. Uh, he seems like a, a great wide receiver, somebody who whoever gets him, he could be an impact player from day one. But you see Jordan Addison, who was mocked to the Buffalo Bills, is above Jalen Hyatt and the other one, Parker Washington, let me see. I don't know if he's, he's from Penn on State, that yeah. list, but he's from Penn State. So those are some early guesses at who the Buffalo Bills may take with that 27th pick overall. A couple linebackers in there as well, which I thought uh, interesting. You know, that could be somewhere that the Bills may want to go if Tremaine Edmonds is no longer a part of the Bills. He's a free agent, so we'll see what happens with that situation. An offensive tackle also mocked to the Bills out of Georgia, Broderick Jones. If you know anything about SEC teams, they have big players all around up front, defensive line and offensive line. Also a defensive end, Mel Kuyper's mock draft. He mocked Derek Hall to the Buffalo Bills mm -hmm. out of Auburn. He's also an outside linebacker, so maybe he was thinking right. about Tremaine Edmonds not being on the roster anymore. Right. They have that uh, also from South Carolina, another cornerback, Cam Smith, mm -hmm. who uh, a lot of people are saying uh, he's a day one contributor. He'll be on the field. He's a really good, ta high talent, uh, well sought after talent. So he can be a day one contributor, has been called. So um, a lot of the thing about it, you get even into 27, even though, you know, we're sitting here not picking in the top five or top ten, and uh, like we all, we all know the reasons for it, it's awesome. We take awesome. a long nap, and then you wake up, and it's still not our turn right. to draft. The, the good thing about it is in this first round, you will get a player who is really going to look the part. He's going to be big, fast, strong, and skilled. Um, and he's going to have probably be a really productive player. So it'll be fun to see who it's going to be at whatever position. Um, and – even from right now, or particularly from right now, the roster is going to be very different when free agency closes. So free agency will open, I believe, March 17th. 15th. 15th. And the 13th, they can start talking to people. And the 15th, it opens for real. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how the roster changes during that time because – we may really need a corner. We may really yeah. need, you know, we may really need some other it guys. It may become very obvious. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be – the roster will be much – it will have much fewer holes than it does right now yeah. in our minds. Most definitely. This is this is the time when people are just trying – it's truly a guess right now because you don't know what's going to happen in free agency. Uh, when we come back from break, I will tell you what the date was – 
of when the first person got Kair Elam right, how early that happened, and if his name became a popular name after free agency. So stick with us here on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyda Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Closing things out here on Monday afternoon. I said I'd let you know when the first time Kyrie Elam was mocked to the Buffalo Bills. When the first time that happened. Guys, that was January 27th. Okay. We've only tracked 14 mock drafts so when far. somebody already got it right last somebody year? Somebody already got it right last year. Within the first... Within the first eight that I tracked, they already had Kyrie Elam. Wow. So... What does that say? Somebody who got it. We got to find out who got it right and go back. The guy who got it right first was Luke Easterling of USA Today Sports, the draft wire. We've already tracked his so far. He got it right last year. Let me pull up this year's if I can quickly. Luke Easterling. So Luke Easterling on January 26th, he mocked us. Bijan Robinson. Oh no, back. he's one of those guys. <laughs> oh, Kyir Elam ended up That's being great. one of the most mocked Buffalo Bills to the Buffalo Bills. One of the most Let me mocked just cornerbacks to the Buffalo Bills. Mocked to the Bills ten times, and toward the end, when we got to the end of April, he was one of many corners that right. started to be mocked to the Buffalo Bills. It wasn't just always Kyrie Elam. Trent McDuffie was the favorite. Right. He's a Kansas City Chief. They traded up to get him, so mm-hmm. it's hard to anticipate that. And interesting, that's an interesting thing. Matty Glab tracking the mock draft so you don't have to. Yep. Which means me, too, so I'm glad. Put on my nerd so bifocals glad. and get to work. As long as they, yeah. No more Bijan Robinson for me, though. <laughs> We're done. We're done that. with Bijan Robinson. <laughs> no, I'm sure he's a great he's player, and whatever team he goes to, could be really good because right. they got a player like him. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Tomorrow, Chris Brown will be back in this chair. And Cynthia Freeland is going to be that's on the right. show. I'm so jealous that you guys are going to talk to her I know, tomorrow. It'll be good. Well, it'll be great. Super Bowl week continues. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow.